0: New Chicago Bears general manager Ryan Poles and head coach Matt Eberflus can learn some important lessons from the two teams that played in yesterday's Super Bowl. You are locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day on the show. Today, we sort of look at the Bears in juxtaposition to what we saw in Super Bowl Fifty Six. Not only just saying seeing like the Rams as you know the. The winning team, so the Bears need to be the Rams. No, it's not not quite that simple, but some of the things that we can take away from what we saw in the game and what we've seen from these two teams as a new regime takes over in Chicago and looks to build the Bears up into a Super Bowl contender. So we'll talk about the weapons and the need for weapons to surround Justin Fields with talent. We'll also get into the offensive line and the contrasting styles of what we saw from the Rams, to the Bengals, and, and how that impacted the results of the game and, and what the Bears may need to then do in their offensive line. And we'll talk about this idea of you know, a team like the Rams going all in on building around Matthew Stafford and kind of sacrificing their future to win now. And then this idea of like, okay, do you need to build around a quarterback on a rookie contract like Joe Burrow? Or like, wh- where is the true championship window for a quarterback like Justin Fields? But I think what stood out so much in this Super Bowl was the importance of the weapons, the receivers for both of these quarterbacks when they were there and then for, in the case of Odell Beckham, for example, when they were not there. Because we saw this Rams offense start out, you know, pretty pretty quick out of the gate with the touchdown there. And it wasn't the first drive, I don't think. But in the first quarter, they took that early lead. And it seemed like, for the most part, you know, it wasn't too difficult for their offense. They were able to kind of keep things generally going through that second quarter, even, with the touchdown to Cooper Cup there. But then Odell Beckham gets hurt, and everything seems to drop off there pretty significantly for for a while. Of course, then the Bengals, you know, crawl back in and take a lead there in the third quarter and extend that lead, I think, a little bit later on in that third quarter. And, you know, the Rams were really kind of down to mostly just Cooper Cup offensively, and they don't really have any other, like, go-to playmakers. And it wasn't until, like, Cooper Cup turned on clutch fourth-quarter mode That, you know, he and Stafford just started balling out and it was kind of, that was their whole offense. And, like, it ended up sort of coming together. But for me, it highlighted the need for needing multiple dynamic playmakers, right? I mean, like, Cooper Cup had a a special game and is a special receiver. I mean, he was the MVP despite all the attention of the opposing defense just, you know, after Odell Beckham's injury, right? So it's not fair to say, like, oh, yeah, the Bears just need to get two or three Cooper Cups, because that's just not necessarily a, a reasonable expectation. But, like, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, for example, right? Great example of, like, you have Jamar Chase, right? Number one bona fide top-flight wide receiver who makes super impressive one-handed catch down the sideline with with Jalen Ramsey draped all over him, right? The connection with, with Joe Burrow, really a special player for that offense. And yet, you know, it's T Higgins who gets the 75-yard touchdown and also the second, I guess, the... Both touchdowns there. I mean, right, he scored twice. Jamar Chase was not part of the scoring for them, right? And then you also have Tyler Boyd in there. and there It's a deep, robust receiving core for the Cincinnati Bengals. Both of these offenses have, have relied on really talented receivers. We saw, okay, for Los Angeles, how much they were impacted by losing one of those and the defense being able to hone in so much on one. The Bengals being able to get the yards and the big plays with Chase, but then also have Higgins really kind of break free and, and score for them. Like, yes, there were some impressive throws from both quarterbacks, but it felt like in a lot of the Super Bowl that there were receivers making great plays. I mean, quarterbacks were giving them a chance to make plays, right? But it was receivers that really stood out. And so, like, for the Bears, right, you have Darnell Mooney, and that's great, but, like, he and, and Daz Newsome are the only receivers under contract next year, and Daz has, has not proven anything as far as being being a big-time playmaker by any means. And so you sort of saw it this past season when – Allen Robinson is ineffective. It was pretty much just Darnell Mooney in this offense. And it felt more like that Rams of like the second and third quarter and into the fourth there, where it's like Mooney could go into clutch mode a couple of times and have some really big performances. But the, that was all the bears offense had. So like it feels like as you look at, at both of these teams being successful with, with significant investments and talent at wide receiver, the bears are going to need, you know, I think a total, including Darnell Mooney, you know, at least two studs and then, you know, maybe two more other receivers that are at least better than Marquise Goodwin and and Demir Bird. You know, better than what we saw from that group because it just wasn't a good enough group of wide receivers beyond Darnell Mooney. Right? I mean, I think a, a full a full strength, full production Allen Robinson can be sort of that 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 complement with with Mooney, right? The two of them can be a, a top two group of wide receivers in a decent offense if you have you know, the, the play calling and the rest of the supporting cast and also other good wide receivers too, so that if Robinson hits some barriers or some blocks or struggles for whatever reason, then you have someone other than Darnell Mooney that Justin Fields can go to with the football and they just did not have it this season. And like we saw with the Rams, they didn't have much else for Cup to go to and it took an MVP performance from Cup. For the Rams offense to really get back on track and win. Whereas the Bengals offense was able to keep going because they had they could go to chase for big plays. And then Higgins creates a 75-yard touchdown. And Boyd was able to be, you know, consistent receiver for them. They had options. And I think, especially when you're building around a young quarterback like like Burrow or Justin Fields, you're gonna need to give them great options. They don't even have to specifically be wide receivers, right? But but neither of these two teams had overly productive tight ends. You know, like you don't need a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey to have an effective passing offense downfield. You can survive with just reliable tight ends like like Higby and, and Uzoma for the Bengals. Like as long as you have elite wide receivers, right? I think you just need playmakers in the passing game, regardless of what position. You need more than one, more than two, at least three, if not four, is is sort of the ideal build. And then I think you're going to need to see the Bears invest significantly at receiving playmaking positions to go with Darnell Mooney to help Justin Fields. Also going to need, I think, some level of significant investment in the offensive line. Because in the Super Bowl, you saw two teams with different levels of investment in the offensive line and different levels of production from the offensive line. And you can kind of tell the better offensive line won that game. We'll kind of look at at how the Rams and Bengals have gone about building their offensive lines with the successes and failures they've had and how we can apply that to the Chicago Bears next on Locked on Bears. Lockdown Bears brought to you by the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars, Built Bars. Because they don't taste like other protein bars on the product on the market, they taste like candy bars. Yes, they are soft, they're easy to chew, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. Just a truly delicious experience. But most importantly, they're all low sugar, low calories, high fiber and high in protein. Most Built Bars are around I think 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of carbs and 17 grams of protein. And you can't find another protein bar product that has those macros but also tastes as delicious as Built Bars. They come in a bunch of different a bunch of different flavors. I eat a Built Bar literally every single day and I promise you'll find a flavor that you love. Head on over to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We saw, or I guess we knew going into the Super Bowl that one of the big obvious concern matchups all week was going to be Joe Burrow and the Bengals offensive line versus a, a fairly ferocious Rams pass rush led by Aaron Donald. And lo and behold... It proved to be a problem for the Bengals and highlighted such an importance in offensive line construction for both teams. And then also, I think, for the Chicago Bears as we move forward. And I do, you do got to give the Bengals credit that, like, for at least a while there, it felt like they kept Aaron Donald at bay. Right? I mean, he was not overly disruptive in the first half. I think there was a couple of sacks of Burrow early on, but, like, it wasn't Donald that was wrecking their game plan. I mean, they just went to a, a super, super quick passing offense I and mean, getting rid of the ball Really fast. I think I saw some PFF guys talking that it might have been among the fastest average time to throw in, at least for a little while there, among the fastest we've seen in the Super Bowl. I think even Chris Collinsworth was commenting in the game how quickly they were getting rid of the ball. But I think it also, at times... Limited some of what the Bengals wanted to do offensively, particularly you know early in that game when it was you know it wasn't until mid to the late second quarter and then into the third quarter that their offense finally you know found the end zone and was was finishing drives a little bit more successfully. But that was also when then Burrow starts holding on to the ball a little bit longer and the sacks started to sort of pile up. there. right, you you can't go four quarters at least the Super Bowl against another Super Bowl caliber team with just running the quick, short game. Like, you know, they got a a couple of quick, deep shots in there, right? But quick game can't be your whole offense. And, of course, we saw how the offensive line lack of pass protection really sealed the game then on that last fourth and one where Aaron Donald did get home. So Joe Burrow ends up getting sacked, what, seven times in this game. And I don't think, you know, when you're looking at, like, reasons the Bengals lost, was that the sole reason the Bengals lost those seven sacks? Maybe not. Individually, you know, if you take if you take away all seven of those sacks, do the Bengals win the game? Possibly, but it wasn't the only thing. The only reason they lost, but I think it was a big deal, right? It was a big disruptor of their offense. It certainly sealed the game at the end, and so it it highlights to me such an important, such a need. I mean, obviously, we know the Bears need to invest in the offensive line, but how one of those direct visual lessons you can see from the Super Bowl is just how important that is. You know, I'll give the Bengals some. I don't know. Credit, benefit of the doubt. Some, I'll give them a break to some extent that they did have. I believe they had some injuries on the right side of that offensive line, but it also hasn't seemed like it's been a huge priority for them to invest up front, right? I think their left tackle Jonah Williams was a first-round pick, but then you know you've had a lot of these sort of like average to below-average free agents, and you know they've used they, they used a couple of day three picks this year on, on rookie offensive linemen that haven't really contributed, but like it hasn't been a particularly uh, lucrative and productive build for them on that offensive line. And, you know, the, the big thing on Twitter, of course, is like, you know, should they have taken Jamar Chase versus Pene Sewell, who went to the Lions, the offensive lineman from Oregon? And it's like, I don't think it's as simple as, as like saying, well, the Bengals lost because they didn't draft Sewell and they should have drafted him over Chase. Because if, if you take Jamar Chase out of this offense, it might be a very different dynamic. So it's not that simple, but I, I just think if you compare, what you know, the Bengals lack of investment in the offensive line to say like the Rams in this game. Not not that the Rams have invested the most of any team, but like you know, they go out and bring in Andrew Whitworth as a a very old free agent, but a significant free agent ad- addition to lock down that left tackle spot. And, you know, the right tackle Rob Havenstein was a second round pick, uh, you know, a few years ago, and and has sort of grown in that role. Their their right guard Austin Corbett, they they traded for him from the Cleveland Browns, He was a little bit of a reclamation project, but still like finding different ways to bring in different talent there. They, and then, you know, they drafted and developed their left guard, David Edwards, and their, their center, Brian Allen were both in you know, a fourth and fifth round picks, which it definitely involves a lot of luck, right? You have to be lucky to hit on those guys, but they've been players that they've developed over multiple years and seen them sort of get better and better. Edwards has bumped around and played a, a number of different positions on that offensive line. And they've, they've definitely like had some luck with it, but like trading for players using early and late round draft picks on players, investing free agent dollars in a player like Andrew Whitworth, right? It's, it's about making the offensive line a, a significant enough priority. You know, whereas the Bengals, you know, they use some day three picks and, and one first round pick that has worked out well for them, but it just doesn't seem like it's been as much investment there. And we saw the consequences of that with the seven sacks of Burrow and, and however many times Burrow has been sacked throughout these playoffs. And so when you look at this Bears offensive line, we have seen, you know, under Ryan Pace, they used second-round picks in James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. And now, of course, another second-round pick in Tevin Jenkins and a fifth-round pick in Larry Borum. So, like, you're starting to get the foundation. And this is not to say the Bears have neglected trying to invest in the offensive line. But at the same time, this year in particular, they went cheap on the offensive tackle spot. You know, I mean, they, they cut Charles Leno and Jermaine Effetti. Maybe maybe better moves, maybe not. But, like, still, there was not a, a financial investment in this offensive line. They went cheap at center with Sam Mustafer. They didn't even roster any other true centers on this team in case, as it turned out, that Sam Mustafer's not all that good of a center, right? They went with the cheap undrafted free agent, the cheap rookies, and then I guess Jorana Fetty on a cheap deal at right tackle too. And then, so, so it just hasn't been purely a deep enough investment in that offensive line to support your quarterback, the way we saw Stafford get support the, for the Rams, and the way we saw to avoid the way we saw Burrow not get as much offensive line support, right? I mean, he was moving out of the pocket even on the plays he didn't get sacked. He created some plays with his legs and extended some things and made some things happen. And like certainly Justin Fields is capable of doing those same types of things. But you don't want to have to make it so difficult on him. And we think we I don't need to sell you on, on the importance of the offensive line. Certainly encouraged by someone like Ryan Poles being in charge of that with and being a former offensive lineman, coming from a team like the Chiefs where he was you know, last year running player personnel when you know, they signed a f- two free agent offensive linemen, traded for another, and then draft two offensive linemen to rebuild that entire offensive line, it would seem like they saw that being a problem for Patrick Mahomes and were very swift and decisive in fixing that. And I would think Ryan Pol- Poles is going to watch the tape of Justin Fields and it's already expressed in some comments some concerns over this offensive line and the need to strengthen this offensive line. So it seems like he's understanding the issue and, and seems to have a priority in the right place. I am curious to see exactly how they go about tackling the offensive line and also the weapons that we were just talking about earlier. It, it comes into this bigger team-building strategy picture when we talk about, like, the window to win a Super Bowl, right? We sort of think of, like, well, you got to do it on Justin Fields' rookie contract, right, before he's going to— if he. It's to a second contract and he's going to cost more. You're know, you not going to be able to invest as much around him, so you got to hit it now, right? Well, I don't know if when we look at recent Super Bowls, I don't know if that's as much the case and as huge of a deal as we thought it might be. We'll talk more in depth about what a Super Bowl window looks like and how that applies into team building in the modern NFL next on Locked on Bears. Just because football season is over doesn't mean your sports betting has to stop or slow down whatsoever because, of course, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. So if you're looking for all the latest odds, totals, player, for pro- player performance props, and where the next fired coach is going to land, our friends at betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. It's the best place to go for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news throughout Any sports season, of course, looking ahead to next football season, but it's not just football, not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, maybe baseball if we get out of a lockout there, tennis, soccer, boxing, UFC, and right up to Olympic coverage and information all throughout the rest of the week. Plenty to bet on and win with BetOnline. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the different trends and actions because BetOnline is where the game starts. It seems like in the last decade or so, right? The as quarterback contracts have risen exponentially, we, we've been so focused, I think, as a, a national NFL landscape of, like, the rookie quarterback contract in the window, right? Quarterbacks, when they're on the rookie contract, are very, very cheap. And so if you're not having to pay your quarterback $30 million a year and instead paying him $5 million a year, that's an extra $25 million that you can spend elsewhere on the roster to support that quarterback to win, to try and win that Super Bowl. Of course, that creating this idea of the Super Bowl window being best on that quarterback's rookie contract. You know, you have four years plus a fifth-year option, but the fifth-year options nowadays are are pretty significant. So really, you're talking at most sort of four years of cheap quarterback play before they start to cost you quite a bit more. And so it's like, okay, you got to try and win in that window, right? And I don't know that that's, as necessary and true as we might think it would be. And then I think this Super Bowl has had me thinking about that a little bit more. And then looking back at other Super Bowls, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be in that rookie contract window. right? I think the way I see it right now, it seems like it's going to be easiest in that window. But it's certainly not like the window closes when you hit that second contract and I think sometimes we can get so obsessed with the rookie contract and and you know moving on to the next rookie contract and trying to just cycle that way that we I think we do miss how often teams have actually had success you know building around quarterbacks not still on their rookie contracts right I mean I think so right I'm not trying to say there isn't a, a logic there or there isn't a window there it is definitely easier to Build a better team when you are spending less on the quarterback spot. You can spend more elsewhere when you're not spending it on the quarterback. But I think if we just if we just look at recent teams in the Super Bowl, we can kind of see both strategies working, right? And, and of course, it, it, some of this can be luck, right? If you have if you have a cheaper quarterback and can spend more money elsewhere, then maybe you require less luck. You don't have to hit on as many cheaper free agents or or those types of cheaper contracts, and you can instead you know invest in the bigger ones that might be more likely and require less luck to to have that same same type of success in terms of finding talent but like you know well, Matthew Stafford right Rams trade for Matthew Stafford not on a rookie quarter, rookie contract not the world not the most expensive QB in the NFL but making a pretty penny right I mean he's not a cheap quarterback contract that the Rams have built around and yet they're still able to you know trade for Von Miller trade for Odell Beckham Jr., have multiple talented wide receivers, sign Andrew Whitworth, get some good running backs in the backfield, of course, trade it for Jalen Ramsey, right? I mean, they have, they were able to acquire significant known veteran talent at every level of the defense, essentially. I mean, they've got, they've got a cornerback, they've got a linebacker, they've got a defensive lineman, they have wide receivers, they have offensive line, they have back running backs, right? I mean, they have significant talent everywhere and also not a quarterback on a rookie contract. The Rams are a little bit different because of how all in they went. But the point being, they found a way to make it work despite the quarterback not being relatively cheap. Of course, the other examples of Tom Brady, whether it was the Patriots, I mean, he took lesser deals. He could be, he should be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and he's chosen not to be. But still, it's not as though he is a quote-unquote cheap quarterback the way Fields is right now, the way, say, Mahomes was. On the Chiefs until now, entering this year, his contract's gonna go up. The way Joe Burrow is right now, I mean, right? Some some teams have really had success on the cheap deals, right? Absolutely, but like Matt Stafford, not cheap. Tom Brady, not cheap. Jimmy Garoppolo got to the Super Bowl two years ago, almost got back this year, not on a rookie contract. Matt Ryan, a little bit before that. Peyton Manning, Cam Newton, right? Teams have built Super Bowl contending teams with quarterbacks not on rookie deals. You also, yes, you have seen rookie deal quarterbacks in Burrow, Mahomes. Jared Goff was still on his rookie contract, and the Rams were there last time. And technically, Carson Wentz on the Eagles, they weren't paying a lot at the quarterback spot, even though Wentz wasn't playing in the Super Bowl, right? But, But all of those teams have, like, tried to avoid, you know, not getting screwed on the second quarterback contract. I mean, that's sort of, that's why the Rams move on from Jared Goff, right? That's where the dynamic comes in here. It's like, you're not your ability to win a Super Bowl is not completely compromised by the price tag of the quarterback going up if the quarterback is good enough, right? That's that's why it's so important when you make that decision, say, on Mitch Trubisky to move on as opposed to giving him a potential contract extension. Or, of course, Jared Goff with the Rams, again, trading him to the Lions, saying, you know what, we don't want to pay the Jared Goff price tag. We, we want to go somewhere else at quarterback because we don't think we can build a good enough team with the quarterback making as much money as a, a golf may have been looking for on his second contract, right? They have to be at least apparently Stafford level good. And Stafford made some really impressive throws in this game. In addition to some questionable one, at least questionable interception and the other one, a little bit less his fault. But so when you see a team like the Rams then go all in, it really, it, it can be more of a double-edged sword for them because you have to make sure if you're going to go all in that you, you first of all, you going to make damn sure that you're going to win the game, but more importantly, like that the quarterback that you have is going to be capable of, doing so because, like, the Rams now are are going to be pretty screwed from here, right? I mean, they got the Super Bowl, mission accomplished. It It fully paid off. They, they went all in for this exact purpose and got it. But now there's talk that Sean McVay might retire and go to the broadcast booth. Aaron Donald is talking about retiring at this point. Andrew Whitworth basically already said he's going to retire after this game. Plus, then you look at the roster, they have... Odell Beckham Jr. is set to be a free agent this year. Von Miller set to be a free agent this year. And, of course, you know, they don't have first-round picks for five years or whatever, and they don't have second-round picks. I mean, they have no draft picks. They're losing potentially their best players to either free agency or retirement, and their head coach might be leaving. And their offensive coordinator is supposed to join the Vikings as their head coach. So, like, the Rams are going to be completely gutted from here, it's, it, it would seem. You still have Stafford, but he's old, too. So, like, they're not going to be back to the Super Bowl, you would think, Anytime soon, they're going to have to eventually sort of tear down and rebuild. Whereas you compare to like the Bengals, much more like sustainably built to contend right now because their quarterback is still on that rookie contract. You know, you think Bengals, if they add a couple of offensive linemen and, you know, maybe maybe another defensive piece to upgrade like Eli Apple at cornerback, They're they're only a couple pieces away of continuing to be potentially a contender like this, but they lost. Right. So it's like, what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer, you know, one ring a guaranteed Super Bowl ring like the Rams and then a mess for however long it's going to take, or, you know, that, that sort of consistent contending maybe that the Bengals are building towards, but like no guarantee now that they're going to, you know, maybe no ring. Maybe they don't get a ring at all. You know, is one Super Bowl worth the all in investment? You certainly have to know or be very darn confident that your quarterback can put you over the top the way the Rams thought Matthew Stafford could put them over the top. And that's why all of this feels so important for falling on Justin Fields, right? You you want to build around Justin Fields, but you can't go all in on like sacrificing your entire future until you're absolutely positive that Justin Fields is the quarterback that can do that for you and put you over the top. It's going to be fun to see how that development goes. Certainly, a lot of onus then on the coaching staff to develop him and develop the players around him, and the GM, of course, to build that supporting cast. To support his development, we're going to be breaking it all down for you all throughout the offseason right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. If you're looking for a second listen... You want more Super Bowl analysis? Lockdown Rams are going to be celebrating, I think, all week long. Lockdown Bengals maybe licking their wounds a little bit. Lockdown NFL covering the Super Bowl from a national perspective. They were down at Radio Row all week last week. Plus, Peacock and Williamson is our other NFL show. Plenty of more football analysis coming for you. Across the Lockdown Podcast Network there, we have your team every single day. And, of course, every day the On Bears podcast is here for you to help make it that much easier to bear down.